What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Everybody, welcome to Car Stuff. And Ben, I got a, uh, I got something I want to tell you. Lay it on me, Scott. You know, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. You know, this is just a little bit of an update because um, we usually do this in nuts and bolts. Yes. But um, I had a little experience with the project car recently that I thought I'd mention real quickly here because I thought it was kind of funny and, and scary in a way. It's been a long time since you talked about a that. L- a little while, yeah. yeah. I mean, I finally got up the guts to take it out of the garage uh, two weekends ago. It was really nice, and I couldn't resist anymore. Yeah. Uh, wires hanging from the dash still, but um, <laughs> I decided that it was a good time to drive it in the neighborhood, even mm-hmm. though I know the brakes are bad and you know, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I conned my uh, nine-year-old daughter into getting in the car with me, and she's terrified of the car, by the way, because it's the – just a big raw sounding V8 engine, right? It's, it's real scary sounding to her. She yeah. puts her hands over her ears, that type of thing when I start it up. Mm-hmm. So I, I love it. She doesn't like it all that much. Big scary car. So she gets in and we, we drive about 50 feet and the car dies. Oh man. Flooded right there in my, uh, ah. I'm, I'm in a courtyard. So it dies right outside the house and she's panicked, wants to get out, wants to run back to the house. And I said, listen, just stay with me for three minutes. It'll work. <laughs> and it did. You know, three minutes, it, you know, cleaned yeah. itself out and it, and it ran fine. So we get back to the garage and, you know, it had developed some kind of noise over the, over the, the short drive we were on. So I thought, well, I'll check that out. And I, I hope it's not an engine noise, but I got, I got it in the garage, mm-hmm. have the hood up and she's outside in the driveway and I'm kind of messing around on the hood, not doing much of anything, but just kind of poking around. I accidentally hit the spring that holds the throttle, uh, on the carburetor, right? Uh, you know, the throttle yeah. control. Yeah. Pulled it off and the car went to instant full throttle in the garage. Oh. I'm in park. Of course I'm in park. Okay. But it okay. goes, now it's a four barrel, 440 engine. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the garage and it's got very, I mean, very little in, as far as exhaust, um, uh, rather, rather muffling. It's very, very loud, right? Yeah. So I hit this, this, uh, spring and it knocks it right off the mount by accident. Instant full throttle, just Let's like sound that. like a dragon. I'll tell you what it sounds like. It sounds like the world is coming to an end, Ben. <laughs> it was super loud, and I scrambled. I almost knocked myself out trying to get into the car and just shut the engine yeah, off. Yeah. But the the key for the ignition is hanging by the wires down on the floor of the thing. So I'm scrambling to get that. It must have been full throttle for a good seven or eight seconds. Oh no! In the garage, kids terrified. I'm shaking because I couldn't believe it. You know, I thought for a second I was going to be able to get the spring back in place. Right. And then I thought, no, I'm going to bail, and I dove through the window to get to it. 
Wow. It was scary. Window diving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was scary. Man. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've never heard anything like that in my life. Well, and, I was, and of course, I got my head under the hood at the time when it, when it goes the yeah, full I'm, throttle. Yeah, because I'm leaning, yeah, I'm leaning oh, over wow. the engine when this happens, so it just terrified me I too. Bet your ears are ringing. It was, for it was really hours. something. So that's uh, that's all I've got. But I thought it was kind of uh, a shocking moment there. Mm-hmm. And guys, uh, everybody should stay tuned uh, because we do get uh, we do get updates about the project car. Uh, occasionally, occasionally when you know, I get to it, as needed. Yeah. As need a little so bonus. Anything like that happens, I'll let you know. But um, mm-hmm. not that anybody else is interested. Oh, okay, are so. you kidding? This, <laughs> you guys should write in to us about your project cars too. Oh, that's a great idea. Because um, this is something very, very close to us. We're you know we're big supporters of do-it-yourselfers. Mm-hmm. Definitely, that's a great idea. Photos mm-hmm. too would be appreciated. And now for something completely different. Completely different. <laughs> we took it in a direction you wouldn't have expected there, but um, all right. This I ask you some some uh, listener. Yes. This is a uh, listener suggestion. Today's topic, finally. Uh, this comes from Jacob, and Jacob is from Parker, Colorado, and I think we mentioned this also in Nuts and Bolts. Mm-hmm. Um, says he's been listening to our podcast for about a year and thought it'd be cool if we'd make an episode about locomotives, diesel electric locomotives in particular, because he heard that somewhere uh, modern day locomotives get upwards of 300 miles per gallon. Mm. I don't know about that. Uh, I'm not so sure. I, I'm not I, I, I couldn't find anything about I'm that. I'm a little skeptical. Um, and he thought it'd be cool if they implemented diesel electric technology into cars. Um, you know, and mentions 100 miles per gallon. Well, we actually had a listener. We we read that one, and yeah. I said, you know, you know, BMW is doing that already, right? Yeah, uh, they had a prototype. But uh, someone wrote back in. Uh, Mark from Colorado wrote in and said that um, VW has some versions of their Polo and Golf vehicles that have diesel, biodiesel hybrid, electric hybrid uh, mm-hmm. technology already on the road in Europe. And uh, of course, you know, that leads to the X1 or XL1 concept, which. Uh, which we talked about in yes. an earlier podcast. Yes, exactly. That's the uh, that's a one liter car that we're mm-hmm. we're very excited about seeing here in the states. Oh, so, man, I hope it makes it diesel locomotives. That's what we're talking about here. Yes, diesel and, hybrid electric. And I want to point out that both of our listeners who wrote in from that for this uh, podcast are from Colorado. What's going on down there, man? You know I didn't even notice that. One's from uh, one's from Parker. One's from uh, hmm, just Colorado. Conspiracy. No, I'm kidding. So. I'm kidding. Um, we're we're sure that you guys are not in some sort of strange conspiracy. So here's the <laughs> here's the first question. The first yeah. question for uh, diesel locomotives, right? Uh, why use a diesel engine in the first place? Why use a diesel? Right. Well, um, I'm uh, sorry, Ben. I don't. I don't know. I, what well, diesel- no, no, no. You know this one. Diesel engines are more efficient than gas engines. Okay. Makes sense. At at the basis, you know. Um, so that's why you start with the diesel engine. Yeah. And the next question is, what, what, why a hybrid vehicle? Ah, now I got the answer to this one. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is where, and see, I didn't know a whole lot about trains until we started looking into this really. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. other than we talked about Amtrak in the past, we, we've, we've, that's about it. We've touched on, yeah, rail, high speed stuff. stuff Yeah. Yeah. But, um, about the locomotives themselves, the actual engines that power, you know, these big long trains, mm-hmm. um, these are pretty fascinating. So you say there's a, a diesel engine in the front, mm-hmm. and then it is, it is electric, really. These, these trains are, to some point, to some extent, some extent, electric. Right. So we've got like a, we've got like a, a big, 
12-cylinder, two-stroke diesel. Uh, two-stroke diesel. Now, that's yeah. interesting, right? Okay, so two-stroke two diesel. Well, actually, you know what? Two-stroke diesel is not all that unusual, but um, the, the crazy thing is that it does power this electric motor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, it sounds like a big engine, right? Yes. Okay, 12-cylinder engine. How big do you think? Do you know the horsepower on this thing? Uh, the, our example in our article, I should say. The example in the article we use uh, has 3,200 horsepower. 3,200 horsepower. That's incredible to me. 3,200, just three, so it sounds longer. 3,200. <laughs> it's uh, the weight of this. The whole locomotive is around 270,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. So it's a big thing, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the power that that engine produces is equivalent to about 4,700 amps of electrical current. So yes. that's incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, 110 mile per hour top speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it have? What else it has? It's four drive motors. So there's four electric motors that these things are powering. Mm-hmm. 64,000 pounds of thrust. And that's the first engine system. Yeah, isn't that incredible? <laughs> that's that's really to power the train to power the train's motion, right? Yeah, that's just the mover. The the mover. That's right. Yeah. And, and then what's the other? Well, you said there's another one. Right. Yeah. There's a V12 engine. Also with a generator, and that makes electric power for the train so that the people in the passenger cars or whomever are able to operate lights. Yeah, makes and, sense. And, and use electricity. Makes sense. So one's strictly for power. Mm-hmm. One is for um, amenities, I guess. Yeah. If you can call it amenities, I suppose. If you can. I, mean, I guess it depends on the on what they're hauling, on the situation. Everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's – again, this is the example version. But mm-hmm. the crazy – here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Why hybrid? Why did they go from well, – if you got this big, powerful engine, yes. why did you go – why did they go to hybrid power? Why is there Why is there a need to go from, you know, this uh, this diesel-powered 12-cylinder engine that's clearly strong? Mm-hmm. Uh, why do they need to convert that to electricity in order to make it, uh, make it go? Good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we would have to say it, it traces back uh, to the idea of a transmission. Ah, very good. Right? And we very know, good. we know, we know about transmissions. You, the average car, your daily driver needs to have a transmission because of the way a gas engine works. Um, so engines have kind of a narrow, uh, revolutions per minute range where it's kind of the sweet spot where horsepower and torque are at their yeah, best. Power band. Power band, mm-hmm. yes. And, um, this, uh, we've got some examples in the article that go a little bit more in depth than this, but basically, uh, the transmission in your car lets the gear ratio between the engine and the drive wheels change as the car's speed or acceleration goes up or down. Exactly. And the reason we don't want this on, okay, so you shift gears, right? So that your engine can still stay below the red line mm-hmm. and near the power band, um, or preferably in the power band, right? And so, the engine on a car where it could let you go, for example, 100 miles per hour, um, like with a range of 500 to 6,000 revolutions per minute, as yeah. you say in the Eventually, article. when you shift up to that point. Sure. Yeah. As you build up to it, exactly. Yeah. Um, the engine on a locomotive has a smaller speed range. You know, we're talking like idling at just under 270 revolutions per minute. And then only building up to like 904. So this is a massive engine mm-hmm. that is really, I mean, in all, all 
sense of the word, it's yeah. barely working. Barely. It's going slow. It's going slow, and that's so that it has long life. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't want to, you know, grenade itself at a certain point when it gets up right. to too high revs because these these massive engines they can't run at high high revs like that. Sure, yeah. Um, it, carrying a lot of power because I mean, you're carrying a lot of weight. Um, you've you've been in a car before that's uh, that's struggling to pull. Something, right? I mean, a boat oh, yeah. or a, a trailer or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. Okay, that's the same type of thing that you've got going on with the train, mm-hmm. um, sort of, in, in a way. Now, you'd, I, I don't know, I may have misspoken there because it's, it's different in that that doesn't necessarily happen with a train because you look at, you look at the length of a train, the weight of the train, mm-hmm. how the heck does that even, I mean, even though it sounds impressive, this 12 cylinder engine, you know, 3200 horsepower, Look at that train that's about a mile long. Look at the yeah. weight of each one of those cars filled with cargo. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes 10 or 12 cars in each car. I mean, vehicles that are on the road in each sure. car. Yeah. Mile long. How in the heck does that one locomotive pull that, uh, that, that load? It can't do it alone. It, a diesel engine can't do well, it alone. Well, not, not really. No. So that's why this thing, you know, the, that's why this hybrid technology works out because you mentioned there's no transmission necessary. No, right. because the the gearbox for that would have to be just ginormous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you couldn't you couldn't do that. You're not going to have somebody shifting this train as it as it drives. You know, as it <laughs> as it powers up and powers no. down. Uh, so there's no gears necessary. That's that's the beauty of having these electric motors. Um, and as you know, you know we've talked about electric motors in the past, how they help with uh, with braking and yeah. regenerative you know technology. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this all of this helps the thing, and of course torque. Torque is is massive in uh, in electric yeah. motors, and and the thing is, it's far it far exceeds what you'd find in a vehicle that that's standard by or powered by trans gas engine and transmission. Exactly, yeah. I was trying to say that it has it uses a standard powertrain. Yeah, uh, because by the time it gets to the wheels, you know you've lost a lot of energy, you lost a lot of mm-hmm. torque, you lost a lot of horsepower. Um, the the thing is that you know these are all of it available. Instantly, you get all of that power available instantly at the wheels at any speed. At any speed, that's right, and that's key. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what the, but maybe the biggest, biggest advantage that a train has over, um, you know, another vehicle. So let's say that you had a truck that had, a, let's say you had a, had a truck that had a thirty-two hundred horsepower engine. Okay, and it was a, uh, it's a big twelve-cylinder engine. Sure. Even if it had electric motors, like we're talking about, um, a truck would not be able to pull the weight that a train does. Ah, yes. And why is that? So if you had, if yeah. you had car after car after car after car lined mm-hmm. up behind a truck. And they were all tied together. A semi truck we're yeah, talking yeah. about. You would not, it would not be able to pull the weight that a train does. And why is that? Steel wheels. Ah, yes. Not only is this a, uh, not only does this give me an opportunity to make reference to one of my favorite old school hip hop songs. Wheels of Steel, but this uh, <laughs> this does actually this is one of the huge points because when your car is on the interstate, it's it's around twenty five percent of the engine's power is used just to push those those rubber tires down the road. Exactly because they're rubber, they're filled with air. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of friction, a lot of rolling resistance. Yeah, and uh, you know the initial startup of that thing is just enormous too. I mean, if you're trying to get a car rolling from zero or a truck yeah rolling from zero to whatever speed you're trying to get to it's enormous output of power that you need to have now mm-hmm. keeping it rolling requires less but still an awful lot 
Right, because of the way, you know, and this is common sense stuff, I think, right? Of course, it takes a lot of power because when you're just driving on roads, depending on the condition of the roads, you're going to be encountering different types of friction Mm -hmm. and and different types of obstacles. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of formulas. If you go online, you can, you could find, uh, rolling resistance formulas Mm -hmm. and you could figure out what the rolling resistance of your own vehicle is. As a matter of fact, on certain types of roads at certain speeds, uh, the type of tire you use, the size of tire you use, it all matters. Now, you, you know you can buy low rolling resistance tires where the uh, the rolling friction or resistance is really low, right? Hybrids have those. They're just – they're harder tires. Yeah. Now, that's still on pavement. That's still got air in them. That's still rubber, of course, because you have to have traction. You have to you know be able to move. But um, the thing with steel wheels is there's just steel wheels on a steel track and there's very, very little um, material – touching each other. It's very, mm-hmm. very low resistance mm-hmm. and uh, very little uh, – well, you know, the tires, they deform uh, yes. when, when they're you – know, there's weight on them. You've seen this. I mean it, it's yeah. elementary. You load a, you load a truck, uh, the back end of a truck, and you'll see that the wheels will start to squish down a little bit because mm-hmm. the air doesn't hold up the way it did – you know, prior to that, when it, when it was an empty bed, um, you'll see that, you know, well, of course, the suspension squats down a little bit, sure. but also the wheels, you'll see them deform a bit. Uh, that's not the case with the steel wheel on a steel track. Yes. If that ever is the case, something is terribly wrong <laughs> that's right. and you should leave. You've way exceeded the weight limit or <laughs> yeah. it's get, or it's really, really hot where you are. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, because they have the, the, what, what we're talking about is the, um, the contact patch. Yes, yes, contact patch. And that's between um that that's between each wheel and the track. And that that point of contact, right? <laughs> Scott uh, Scott you're just holding up a picture here yeah, showing right. a tire tread point of contact. That's right. Now you I, I assume you've got something to tell us about the contact patch. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. size of it, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um I can go ahead and lay it on them if you want. Uh, sure, I distracted you. I'm sorry about no, that. No, no, no. Yeah, no go no. ahead. Uh, it is the size of a dime. The size of a dime. Which is part of one of the reasons that, you know, growing up, if you're a kid, you may have heard, uh, if you grow up like I did around, around a lot of train tracks, you have probably heard the old myth that you can put, you know, a penny or a piece of pocket change on a rail and that it will actually knock the train off its tracks. Oh, yeah. I have never tried that because from a very young age, I have been trying to be a good person. I have. You have. I've placed pennies on train tracks. You're a villain, dude. No, not to knock it off. I, I mean, that's that's not. No, I never heard that until I was much, much older. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I, I did it simply to flatten out a penny, and it works. It truly does work. Yeah, I mean, you could put it on the, the worn part of the track, mm-hmm. and you'll see that you know. You come back later after the train. Of course, you got to be safe about this. Yeah. Come back later, much later. When uh, you got to find the penny, you got to dig around for it a little bit because it'll be knocked off the track, of course. Right. But it's squished out into something that's unrecognizable. And uh, we also want to point out that we are not recommending you do this. No, it's dangerous. Don't no, do no, it. this it's is bad idea. This was thirty-five years ago. Yeah, times long different. time ago. But here's the here's the thing, Ben. Yeah. This I've got a sheet of paper, and this is the one I distracted you with. And you said that the contact patch of a steel wheel. This is just a typical steel. Uh, train wheel on a typical steel track, right? Right, at any given point in time. A, a contact patch of a dime. That means that's the, the point that's in contact with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, did you know that when we talked about Indy cars, a typical contact patch for an Indy car tire, each tire is about the size of this piece of paper that I'm holding up? No way, that's yeah, the it's scale? The size, it's, it's the size of the paper. That I'm holding up right now, which is an eight and a half by 11 yeah. piece of paper. That's the typical Indy car 
tire contact patch. Now I'm looking at, and this isn't to scale really, these pictures aren't to scale on it, but mm-hmm. um, there's a picture here of a, a size comparison, and this comes from, so everybody can look at it if they want to, uh, this comes from something called the Brooklyn Historic Railway Association. So if you go to the Brooklyn Historic Railway Association, and there's a couple of charts and graphs on the side that, that show this, um, it'll show a, a, a size comparison of the contact patch of a, a truck tire, which would be like a, a semi-truck trailer. Sure. Um, which is pretty big. I mean, it's it's a large size photo here. Uh, the, the second one is of a bicycle tire. I don't know why they threw that in there, but they did. And then it shows the um, a typical 35-inch steel railway wheel, which is just a tiny little speck on the paper, really. Yeah. And um, like you said, it's the size of a dime. Um, even small in the picture, but, um, really that's what the, the main advantage of having steel wheels is this roll, mm-hmm. uh, low rolling resistance and, and the way it can pull so much material so easily is because there's very little resistance on these things. There's very little resistance, but that leads us to another concern, which is traction. Yeah. Traction, starting, stopping, right? Yeah. Starting and stop. Now, now your, your average locomotive, uh, the, of course, the wheels that we're talking about, they're not just by the, the, the grace of good luck, perfectly balanced on a track. There are flanges that keep them on the track. Yes, that's right. And so they can turn. Right, right. So, <laughs> so it's not <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's not a problem for them. Um, Traction is not so much a problem, though, when they're turning, but it's exactly like you said, Scott, when they're trying to speed up, trying to slow down, that's, you know, that's where we get the idea of people being tied to train tracks and and the train conductors seeing them but not being able to stop. Terrifying. Well, it's terrifying. You need Dudley Do-Right to ride in and save you at that point, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if I've learned anything from cartoons. I think I've learned uh, everything from cartoons. Yeah, I've learned most of what I know from cartoons. (laughs) That's why. That's uh, that explains so <laughs> That's much why about we're here. both of us. Yeah. That's right. Um, okay, so uh, so we do need to talk about the uh, the traction there because the good thing about the contact patch for a NASCAR vehicle or for an Indy racing vehicle is that 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 contact allows traction. Sure, it's enormous and it gets really hot. It's like tar. Yeah, and uh, and they're able to grip the road and and hold on tight for you know. Very evasive maneuvers if they have to. Mm-hmm. That's not the case with a train. They don't have to do that. They're on a tra- They're on a on a track that goes one way. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, they just go straight. They start. They stop. That's about all they do. Yeah. I mean, of course, they turn and everything. We talked about the flanges, but how? Yeah. You know, that's a that's a curious thing. They've got this contact patch the size of a dime. How do, how does it get a load rolling that is a mile long behind it and weighs so much? I mean, these things are enormous, right? Yeah. How does it do it? How does it do it? You know, I've I would got like the, you to explain I've got the, it. This is the craziest thing because I, I really had no idea about this until I until I read into this. And this is one of these facts that came up that mm-hmm. you just would never guess. But um, there's a device that sprays sand in front of the drive wheels mm-hmm. on a locomotive, sand onto the track. Now, everybody, stay with us. This sounds crazy, but we assure you it is true. It's it is true, and this is really really strange because. Um, it, Hey, maybe I should just read this real quick here. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a short bit from our article, but it says, In front of each wheel is a nozzle that uses compressed air to spray sand, which is stored in two tanks on the locomotive. The sand dramatically increases the traction of the drive wheels. Uh, so it has this this um, electric traction control system that automatically starts the sand sprayers when the wheels begin to slip or when the engineer needs to make an emergency stop. 
Um, it can also reduce the power of any traction motor when the wheels are slipping. So, um, you know, it has this incredible traction control system that, that works right now. But if you notice, I mean, there's a photo on our website in this article, um, how diesel locomotives work. Mm-hmm. And it shows these sprayers. It's just a simple nozzle that's pointing at the right where the wheel and the track come together. And, um, again, I, I had no idea that that, that part was even there. But it's just so cool. It really is. Because when you see the old locomotives, the old steam-powered locomotives, and you know, they, when they start up, you see the wheels slipping an awful lot. Yeah, yeah, Remember yeah, you, hear yeah. That? you can You can picture it, right? The steam uh-huh. kind of billing out the side, those huge drive wheels that are yeah. just slipping and sliding as, yeah. the, as the arms kind of churn it. Um, well, that apparently doesn't really happen much anymore with these. They slip a little bit, but with mm-hmm. modern traction control systems and and uh, just careful monitoring, mm-hmm. they're able to control that with these, these sandblaster-type materials that are um, – machines i guess that, yeah, that sand nozzles sand. yeah it's really weird isn't it yeah that was that was by far the most surprising thing to me i think the second surprising thing maybe was uh the use of the hybrid engine like how it works and why it works yeah. uh in in the train but by far the most interesting thing that i discovered in this research was definitely the uh sand nozzles man and, and the other thing you know the, another thing that one of these uh these dramatic um, cost-saving ideas or principles behind using a train versus using a, uh, you know, a, a road-going vehicle mm-hmm. um, is one of the charts that you'll find. Again, this is on that uh, that um, website that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, the Brooklyn. Yeah, the Brooklyn site. Um, it, there, in that same area where the contact patch is, is you'll you'll find that chart with it. Uh, there's this chart that has the um, the starting energy demand of the subsequent cruising energy demand. Um, to maintain a constant speed, this is between this is between a uh, a rail vehicle with steel wheels and a pneumatic tire road going vehicle, mm-hmm. and the energy demand, which is given in percentage um, at BTUs per hour. So that, that again, they use BTUs per hour. I don't know what that would really equate to, you know, miles per gallon. We'd have to figure all that out. But right. um, take a look at that chart, and I'm going to just quickly show you, Ben. Here, this is the uh, <laughs> pneumatic tire. It goes way up yeah. to 100. And then cruising speed goes back down to fifty-seven point eight, and they, again, that's um, that's energy demand in percentage of BTUs per hour. Yeah. Uh, for a rail vehicle, the initial demand is only ten. Uh, then the cruising speed is all the way down at two point eight eight. So it takes very little mm-hmm. to not only get this thing rolling, but it also takes very little to keep it rolling. Very, very little. I mean, we're talking about. Um, what what is that? Uh, from two almost three to fifty six. You're talking about like twenty seven times yeah. the amount. Yeah, uh, ballpark. 20, right, right, something right. like that. It's in, it's incredible the difference. And while while we're on the subject of the power, just just for a quick stat here, um, if fuel tanks they still need diesel fuel. Yeah, these tanks hold two thousand two hundred gallons. Whoa! Like these are these are designed to work with this. Um, Easy to keep going, difficult to stop idea. You know, when you have the train started, ideally you want it to go as far as possible without having to stop it. Yeah, sure. We, well, we've heard a long time. I mean, for a long, long time, you always hear that it, it's it's the hardest part of driving a train or operating a train is to stop that train, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's why intersections are so dangerous, and that's why you pay the conductors the big bucks. Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> they they know how to do it. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's. Uh, I don't know. It kind of kind of makes me think like, well, why don't we put steel wheels on on trucks? Just wouldn't work. Well, for a number of reasons, it wouldn't work. <laughs> you know, uh, 
primarily the roads. No, it just yeah. it just doesn't work out the right way. I mean, if you think there's so many flaws with that idea. Yeah, you'd have to have a predetermined track. It's it's really something that only only works if you have a predetermined track. That's right. This is this is an excellent case for um, you know, the the efficiency of a of a train carrying a tremendous amount of goods cross country versus using several trucks to carry the same amount of goods cross country. Good point. Scott. So uh, this is a, a definite pro in the uh, in the train column. You can check off one for yes. Everyone following pros in train column. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This is uh, this is definitely a, a win for them because um, and it, it always has been. It's just the 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 uh, steel rails and the steel steel wheels just work so well together, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just capable of so much more. Um, you know, t- the towing capability, I guess, than than anything that on the road that we could use. However, uh, we should point out, going back to the original listener question, when they say why isn't there more diesel hybrid technology in cars? I think we you answered that in the very beginning. You said yes, there there is. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason it's uh, we don't have the kind of arrangement that you find in a train. Uh, is is really goes down to the fact that trains do very different things. Yeah, and this is the thing. Like you know, this this diesel electric locomotive idea has been around since the late twenties. Okay. Yeah, it goes way back. It, it goes way way back, right? So back to the nineteen twenties. Now I don't know. Maybe this listener is talking about some of the more modern, um, like the evolution trains. Yeah, because there's there's a hybrid. I mean, there's stuff that you know in, the, in around two thousand seven they were calling it the the world's first hybrid train. Which entered commercial service, mm. and um, you know it, it's it's different. If you take a look at that stuff online, it's different than what we're talking about here today. But I hope we've answered your question. I hope yes. we got uh, I hope we got to the point because um, you know the, these diesel electrics, like we said, they've been around for at this point ninety years. Yeah. So um, you know the, it's a proven technology, and, and mm-hmm. it truly does work. And it's widely used across the world today. Uh, we, I mentioned uh general motors with the evolution trains um those are continually being improved their people are selling them to countries and rail systems uh around the world and in the united states alone the uh railway infrastructure remains one of the backbones of our entire commercial side of this country mm-hmm. so trains i i almost want to say trains aren't going anywhere uh, as a, as a technology, yeah. uh, they're they're improving, but in terms of uh, <clears throat> in terms of diesel electric vehicles as as locomotive power sources, it's kind of a case of if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, these are definitely these are pretty refined at this point. Um, I know they're massive and, you know, they're, they're awful big and, you know, I'm sure somebody's working on scaling the things down a bit. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, then again, they won't be able to carry as much as they do now. Yeah. It just doesn't work that way. Sorry for that last comment, Scott. I was kind of rambling. No, that's, no, that's all right. That's, hey, you know what? You mentioned, uh, one of your favorite songs was, uh, Steel Wheels. Is that right? Wheels of Steel. Yeah. You know what, uh, you know what my, one of my favorite train songs is? What? The Wabash Cannonball. You ever heard of it? Wabash Cannonball. It's been years. Of course I know the way. Because I remember the little town of Wabash. Yeah, yeah, Wabash, yeah. That's where, that's where I crushed the pennies, as a matter of fact. Yeah, no way. Behind my grandmother's house, there was a train track that the Wabash Cannonball would, would travel on in Wabash. We'd crush pennies on that track. Uh, oh, that's cool. I was cool. very, very young. But in fact, that was my dad's CB handle when, you know, back when CBs were. Your dad was doing CB? In the car, yeah. Oh, in that's the so car, awesome. yeah. And uh, it was, his cannonball was his. Uh, that's so maybe cool. even Wabash Cannonball. I don't remember, but uh, if no one's ever heard of the Wabash Cannonball, it's an old folk song. Mm-hmm. It goes way, way back. Um, 
Jerry Reed, Johnny Cash, you know, singers like that mm-hmm. will sing it. Boxcar Willie, guys like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of a fun song to listen to maybe once, you know, here and there. <laughs> kind of like Alice's Restaurant or something like that. You know? <laughs> right. It's fun to hear now and then, but, uh, you know, you might not want to put it on your regular rotation in your iPod. Kind of like those Waffle House songs in the jukebox. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They're good while you're there, but you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> want to hear them all day long. You don't want the greatest hits. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I guess we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Again, to our listeners, thanks so much uh, for writing in and giving us a good suggestion. To our listeners who are checking out the show, uh, thanks for your time. And uh, if you have a suggestion for us, please, we'd love to hear it, whether it's about locomotives, uh, any other vehicle that drives, flies, or floats. Uh, that sounded pretty good. I like that. Thanks, man. Um, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can check out our blog. We've got a great website website you may have heard of and you can email us directly at carstuff at howstuffworks.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com to learn more about the podcast click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. the howstuffworks iphone app has arrived download it today on itunes Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com slash compatibility.